Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. Uh, I will tell you, as much as I despise, absolutely despise hurricanes, I have to tell you, like, Venture's story and hurricanes are just intertwined. Uh, I wish I could get away from it. I wish if it wasn't so. Uh, as I said, we're coming up on our first birthday. From the very first time we ever assembled as, as an organized team, if you, was, if you would, it was for a hurricane. So we had moved down. Uh, eight people moved to the area to start Venture Church. Uh, four uh, or two families uh, moved down from Pennsylvania. And I told the other family, I said, don't worry. It's Beaufort County. They never get hurricanes. <laughs> lies. He lies. That's um, what I thought. My brother had lived here for a lot of years. It seemed like a safe bet. So we moved in in July. Uh, we moved into our houses. We moved in the end of July. They moved in uh, sometime in the beginning of August. And here comes the first week of September. It's a hurricane. And this is what they always do. It's the worst one ever. Right? And they come knocking on my door. No hurricanes, huh? Mm-hmm. What do we even do? Do we need like six generators? Do we need like 16 billion gallons of gas? Water! Fill all the tubs! You know, it's like... <laughs> Uh, and I'm going, well, uh, it's kind of like a big rainstorm. I don't know. Maybe we should put stuff on windows. So I go out in my cul-de-sac, and all the neighbors are standing around talking about, talking about hiring somebody to put up hurricane shutters. Like, guys, listen, uh, I don't know if you know this or not. I came to plant a church. I don't even have a job. Like, I, I, I don't even, I, I can't pay nobody to do nothing. So I drive to Home Depot, and me and Dan, we, we get a ladder. I don't like ladders. So there I am, looking up, praying, looking up, praying, looking back up, going, Lord, come back now. Just come back. <laughs> just, right now would be real good. It's like, this will be the good moment. And we just start. We started early in the morning. And I think it was about 14 hours that day we hung shutters at different people's houses. The first thing we ever did as, as a family was serve people. And that is the undercurrent and heartbeat of Venture Church. We are family. And, and even as I wrote this message uh, Saturday morning, yesterday morning, early. No, that's not normal. I don't wait till Saturdays to write my messages. They're done way before that. This was special. I thought on the heels of the hurricane, I needed to change it. I was writing this message and my phone was blowing up. Like, hey, we're going to so-and-so's house to pull their shutters down. Hey, we're going, hey, can we have your ladder? Like, hey, yeah, yeah, just take whatever you want. Take the kids, that's fine. Um, they didn't. Uh, I was like, throw them up on the roof. It'll be okay. They'll bring them down. Uh, I, our family is built around serving each other, serving the community, serving those in need. And the one thing I can say I do love about hurricane, hurricanes is it shows the heartbeat of venture. Uh, at the end of the midst of this hurricane, I am still in awe again at what this family does and how this family, and, and I'm not talking about the Olsons, I'm talking about the Venture family rallies around each other and rallies around this community. And I just look forward to seeing in every scenario how we will rally around those in need. And I will say this, um, as, as the pastor of this church, we are called to make a difference. We are called to serve people. Uh, so you have my 100% word and commitment, whatever we can do to serve those in need in the Bahamas, we will do. 
Uh, we will be there in their time of need. We've already been in contact with people that are on the ground, people that are assessing the need as soon as we know what that looks like. We will let you know because I've, I've received the text like, all right, what are we doing? Like, I'm uh, going to see what it looks like. Uh, because when we go, we want to be a blessing and not a burden. Whatever it is that we do, we want to be uh, a relief. So we're called. We're called to make a difference. Uh, we're called to, to, make a, to make an impact. Uh, I, I'm, I'm overly, overly impressed at the outcry of, of this church to be present in people's needs. I love it. You know, I, I finished my message and I just walked around my small community, which is right here, and uh, people are out of town and people are taking down their hurricane shutters and mowing their yard. And I was like, hey, my yard's just like, just right over there. It's like, you already, you already have the mower running. It's like, just right, my yard's small. I mean, hey, it's, uh, but I love, I love that, that heartbeat of connection. Over the next few weeks leading up to our first birthday, we're gonna do a series called, called We Are. Uh, obviously, leading up to our statement, we are family, that will be what we talk about on the 22nd. Uh, it's going to be a very special day. We have lots of special elements. I encourage you not just be here. Use this as an opportunity to invite people, to bring people. And people are like, I don't know about church. We go to an elementary school. It's a little bit different. Uh, use that if you want to be like, hey, uh, it's cool. Like, it's like the gym, we're going to do PE class afterwards, and you can get a little jump rope out, whatever it takes. Uh, don't, don't, not during service, after service, you can do jump rope for heart here. That would be great. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a family thing. We're going to have a, it's going to be a lot of fun. So leading up to that, I've got just a couple of weeks, and this week we're going to talk about we are called. Now, I've grown up in church. That word called typically meant the guy on the stage or the people employed by the church, and we wrongly assume like, oh, they're called to ministry. I can remember uh, when I struggled through that, uh, you know, words are important, by the way, so I felt called uh, to full-time vocational ministry when I was 13 years old, and I remember I was at a youth, uh, a youth rally, and I was sitting kind of right here, and I was like all in tears because I was very emotional, much like my oldest. I was just crying, like snot everywhere. I was an ugly crier as a teenager. I was, you know, awkward years. You're in junior high anyway. You got big glasses and braces, and now I'm snot everywhere. It's amazing I ever got a date, right? So here I am, and, 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 and I'm... I, I'm struggling, and the, the, the speaker comes down after he sits down next to me and goes, what's going on? I go, I just feel like I'm called to ministry, but I don't want to be in ministry just because my dad is. And I always remember, he goes, so you think Satan's building God's team? Huh. I never thought of it like that. But we, we impose this word called on the people that are in this vocational ministry, but I want to say that you are called. We are collectively are called. And maybe your calling is what you're missing. Your call is the essence of your existence. Your call is the very thing that you measure success by. You see, if I came down, I said, I was like, all right, what would a successful life look like for you? By the way, that question answers a lot. A lot. You know, if your starting place would be Financial security, financial security is what you feel called to. If your starting place would be your family, your family is what you feel called to. Your call is your measure of success. So I want first and foremost you to realize no matter what brought you here this morning, right now, you're called. You're called. Second, we. We are called. 
as a family, as a church, we're called. We didn't, we didn't choose this. It chose us. It's like, it's like God was up there picking his heavenly dodgeball team. Come on. You can dodge your rent. That's a never mind. You know, it's like... <laughs> Dodge, dip, duck, dive, I don't know. Right? It's like God was up there picking his, his heavenly dodgeball team, and he picked us first. You know, I, I, I was never athletic. Shane, my older brother, he was like, could play all the sports. I couldn't. And we would go out, and I would try to play football. My brother's four years older than me. When you are nine, you should not be playing football with kids that are 13. They swung me around by my neck. Right? That's serious. That's what happened. You know, when you're in junior high and you're up there playing seniors, hey guys, can I play? <laughs> like, it's not, and I was never a big guy, <laughs> right? So, but it's like God was picking his team and all, and he looked and goes, he picked you. He picked you first. He called you to make a significant difference in the world. It wasn't coincidence, it was called. He didn't place you where you are by accident. He called you. So before, before we get into evaluating our call and trying to discover, we have to understand what it means to be called. So, so let's look at the first people ever called, uh, the disciples. Matthew 4, 18 to 22, uh, Jesus is calling, calling the first disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Him. Now, now this is where if we don't understand the context of Scripture, we read through that as like he gave him a Facebook friend request. He's like, hey guys, follow me on, on Instagram. If, 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 if we don't get it, if we don't understand what's actually being said here, we miss the magnitude. These were all young Jewish boys, and Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. So when he said, come follow me, it was like, I'm choosing you. Now you have to realize, these guys had all been overlooked by other rabbis. At some point in their life, this is so important for you to understand. At some point in their life, they were rejected. Basically told they weren't good enough, go back to the family trade, you won't follow a rabbi. That's Jewish history, right? Jesus chose the ones that were overlooked to make a movement that changed the world. You may feel like you're overlooked, passed by, past your prime, and don't have purpose, and Jesus is ready to change the world through you. He doesn't need your gifts. He needs your yes. Sometimes we're more concerned about the gifts the world looks up to rather than the yes we can give to the one who created the world. He doesn't need a good gift. He just needs a willing heart. So here he goes to the ones that everybody else passed by and overlooked and said, come follow me. Now that come follow me statement is so important. Because it means something. It would, it would better be translated, come do what I do. Come do what I do. So in order for us to unlock our calls as individuals, we got to kind of sort through this calling. We have to understand that come follow me is Jesus looking at these disciples and say, hey, come do what I do. In fact, there was a, a, a tradition 
and disciples and rabbis, they would walk so close that it would talk about the dust of their master's feet kicking up that they would be so close. And maybe it's not a call you lack, it's closeness. Maybe it's not purpose we lack, it's proximity. You can't walk in the call if you don't have closeness with the, with, with the Creator. And, and so they would, they would walk so close to Jesus, they would do the things He, he does. So then when we look at the Scriptures and we look at these guys working through their call, working through this relationship, we have to understand... They're just trying to do the things they see Jesus doing. This is why Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only do what I see done. He's instilling in them, be close to me and do what I do. Now that we understand that, let's look at one of my favorite miracles in the whole Bible. Peter walking on water. One, because I want to see all you try it later. All right? (laughs) Seriously. Every summer, you're standing at the edge of the pool. You're like, well, it worked for Peter. In you go. Hope you can swim. You know, my, my sons forever, they, they would do this thing where they're, they're, they're mindlessly walking around and they would just walk into the pool. I'm like, guys, it's a pool. Uh, but I, I love the, the impossibility of it, but I also love the fact that it's never, to my knowledge, been repeated. At least not in my life. If you're going to stay and be like, I walk on water every summer, it's how I go fishing, it's really cool, I get in all the shallow waters, I go wherever I want, just good for you. In my life, I've never walked in water, and I've never known someone that has repeated this miracle. Healing miracles, seen them in my own eyes, seen them in life, all these other miracles, walking on water, incredibly unique. Absolutely love it. So, so i got to give you a little backstory before we jump into... Peter walking on water, which is where we're headed. So Jesus has spent the afternoon teaching and and talking to the crowds, and then he sends his disciples off. He says, guys, go to the other side. By the way, if you're driving into a storm, he already knows, and guess where Jesus is? He's on a mountain praying. So Jesus sends the guys off to the other side. He goes up by himself to the mountain, and he's praying. So while you're in the storm, he's praying for you. Sometimes we feel alone in the storm when he's already beckoning the heavenly realms for us. So then he comes out, right? Let's jump in. Matthew 14, 24 to 29. I apologize that that the notes aren't on the screen this morning again. I wrote this yesterday morning. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him. Remember, come follow me. Do what I do. You got got to remember that right now. The call of a disciple was not not to follow the rules. It was to follow Jesus. So Peter's seeing his, his, his Messiah. He's seeing his rabbi walk on water, and he says this. He says, Lord, if it's really you... Tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Jesus says, yes, come. I I mean, I just would have loved to have been there. First of all, it's a storm. It's not even like calm water. I I drove over the Broad River right after Dorian had passed through through this area. My brother had lost power, so we went up to start his generator. And I mean, the river looked like horrific, like... I don't want to be down there. And I mean, just imagine looking down, just seeing somebody stroll. This isn't normal. 
walking up a wave, you know? Like, do, 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 do. I'll be down in a second. What did that look like? Did he step over the waves? It said the waves were beating the boat. I love being on the water. I hate being on the water in a storm. I mean, seriously, just put yourself there. Is he jumping over them? (sighs) Okay, got over that one. I mean, what did he do? I would have loved to have been there and then seen Peter going, hmm, yeah, I'll do that. The other guys, are you serious? We were just dying in the boat. Now you go, yeah, I will. I'll step out. Now here's what, here's what we need to realize. Jesus wasn't just coming to do a miracle. He was coming to set precedence. He walked to them in the midst of the storm. Jesus approached them, went to them in the midst of their storm. And sometimes we're willing to watch people storm while we stand on dry land. He said, no, 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 I'm not afraid of your waves hitting me. I'm not afraid of getting wet in the middle of your storm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk right up to you in the midst of your storm. And sometimes we miss it. If Jesus doesn't walk to Peter in the middle of the storm, Peter doesn't walk on water with Jesus. And sometimes we got to stop being afraid of getting wet by other people's storms and walk out to them. Go ahead and walk out to them. But it looks crazy out there. It is. It is crazy. I might get wet. You probably will. See, far too long, again, I've been in church my whole life. This is how we handle other people's storms. We stand on dry land and tell them how to sail their way out of a storm. Hey, if you would do a little less of this, it wouldn't be so stormy. If you had some less sin in your life, you'd probably have better water. If you'd make better decisions, if you just make a good decision, the water would calm down. I tell you how to do it from here, but I'm not coming out there. See, he's called into the storm. Peter doesn't walk on water if Jesus isn't standing on the waves. Maybe the reason we can't reach the community is because we're standing on dry land. We're not willing to get wet in their storm. I feel like we are called. You are called. Wherever God puts you, whatever neighborhood, whatever occupation, whatever friend circle you're in, God has called you into their storm. This is why I'm so compelled that I will not turn a blind eye to the people in the Bahamas. I will be called into their storm to make a difference. I will be present in their time of need. If it, what, what if I get bugs? I don't like bugs. I'll take bug spray. That's what will happen, right? But I will go if I can. If it's safe, if they'll allow, I'll be present in the time of people's needs. But what about your neighbor's emotional storm? What about their relational storm? I'll post obscure things on Facebook about that. That's what I'll do. I'll tell them how to make better decisions and work their way out of it. That's what I do. No. Now, see, what I love about the precedence is that Jesus was called into the storm. He was walking on the waves that were beating the boat that created terror in their lives. He was showing He was Lord over it. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, so I ain't scared of the waves. See, sometimes as believers in Jesus, we buy into, I can't go out there. Their sin cooties will get on me. That's a real thing, don't you know? 
Like, I can't, I can't go out there. I'll drown. He was called into, into the storm. I believe that there's a, a renewal, there's a calling from believers in Jesus. Be like, hey, man, I'll walk into the storm for you. And he's setting the precedence. Remember, remember the whole underlying here. He had called these guys. He said, hey, do what I do. That's your call. Come follow me. Come do what I do. So when I'm willing to go in the storm for you, you got to be willing to go into the storm for others. We're called into the storm. Notice it was 3 a.m. I don't know about you, but 3 a.m. on the water seems real dark to me. I love like being on the water is my happy place. I love living on the water, uh, except for hurricane season. Apparently, it's not the best time. It's like snow season up north. We just deal with it. We turn a blind eye to it. We go back to life, right? But I love being on the water until it gets dark. Then my happy place is a scary place because it gets really, really, really dark when you're on a boat on the water after dark. So I mean, I'll go out to dinner, we'll have a good time. All of a sudden, I'm watching the sun. I'm like, guys, I don't care that you haven't got your food. We got to go. It's getting dark. Now notice, it's 3 a.m. Jesus wasn't afraid of their darkness. Oh, you got to get this. Sometimes we give darkness too much power over light. All of a sudden, we let darkness have the authority, but in my world, light has the authority. In my world, light has the power. When I turn on the light, the darkness leaves. In fact, in my world, I lost power for like 20 minutes at my house during Dorian. It was the worst 20 minutes of my life. The air conditioner stopped, all right? It felt like it grew 15 degrees like that. Angela slept through it, the whole thing. I got out of bed, I checked everything, the lights were off flickering. So I go downstairs, and I'm unplugging everything, making sure it's safe. So you just, you, I, everything goes off. Now listen, those little electronics we have, they produce a lot of light. The little indicator lights, the alarm clocks, all of that produces a lot of light. When you lose it all, it gets really dark. But thank goodness for modern cell phones. We all have a flashlight with us all the time now. So what do I do? I turn out, I, I pull out my phone, and I turn on the smallest, the just smallest light ever. Yet, it lit up the whole room. Come on, you got to get a mental picture of this. It lit up the whole room. The light wasn't afraid of the darkness. It invaded the darkness. And sometimes we aren't willing to walk into other people's darkness because we're afraid of their darkness. Their darkness will run from our light. Where he is, he is the authority. So what I'm saying is, instead of standing on dry land going, guys, when the sun comes up, I'll come out there. I'm afraid of the dark. Spiritually, sometimes that's our stance. I can't go over to their house. I can't, I can't go over there. Why? Well, don't you know what they do? That's why you should go. <laughs> they need somebody. They need some light in the midst of darkness. We are called. We are called into it to bring glorious light. And Jesus wasn't just walking on water. He was setting a precedence. I'm willing to, I'm willing to walk into darkness to show you who I am. 
It could have happened at 7 a.m. It could have happened at 8 a.m. It was 3 a.m. And the Bible says it's 3 a.m. Because there's no dispute what time of year it is. At 3 a.m. it is dark. That's what we call, oh, dark 30, y'all. It's dark. Why? Because we're called to invade other people's darkness. We're called to move towards it, not away from it. And then we know, we know the end of the story. Peter says, well, if it's you, I want to do what you do. Let me walk on water. I love the bold faith of that. I love the bold obedience of it. And, and Peter, he, he steps out of the boat and he, and he walks on water. But he's saying this. He's saying, if it's you, I just want to do, I just want to do what you do. I just, if it's you, I just, I want to be where you are. I want to do what you, you do. And maybe one of my, my, my lifetime goals as, as a pastor is not to build a big church that happens along the way great. It's to speak purpose into people who follow Christ. Listen, Jesus changed the world with 12 people that believed they had purpose. You don't need thousands. I, I, I believe with all of my heart, the, the, the couple few hundred that are here, if we bought into the fact that God had called us and planted us where we are, where we live, work and play, we could absolutely change the world. One of my, my, my desires, this is why I'm so passionate about Growth Track, is, is, is to connect you to, to, to purpose, to connect you to your call. But maybe the reason... We lack meaning is we lack closeness. We're too busy following the rules, not the Messiah. We're too busy trying to get it all right. Now, now, now get it. There was, all the disciples were in the boat that day, all of them. They're probably all following the rules of knowing how to sail. All right, let's not drown. And only Peter said, hey. I don't know if you guys see this, but Jesus is walking on water. I think I'm going to take a break and walk on water. We get caught up following rules and we miss our purpose. There's another guy, one other guy in all of the Bible that I've read that got the call to come follow me. See, we only know him as the rich young ruler. And, and, and I'll, wrap, I'll wrap this up, but this is so important for a lot of us, I believe. We only know him as the rich young ruler. This young man, he, he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what, what do I have to do? Like, what do I have to do? Obviously, he's feeling like something's missing. Like a lot of us, if, if we're honest. Like, like a lot of us. He, he's, he's feeling like something's missing. He's like, all right, I feel like I'm doing a lot. What more? What more do I have to do? And Jesus asked him about the rules. He says, well, you know the Ten Commandments. Have, have you done all of those? Now, I don't know about you. I don't know that I could get past the first few. The honor your father and mother one, teenagers were real hard on that one. Come on, you were a teenager once too. Don't, don't look at me like that. Yes, I probably told my dad whatever and did that one. Oh, he loved it. Right? Whatever. Oh, whatever your butt. What he wanted to say, I'm sure. Right? That, I, I don't know how far I could get in the Ten Commandments. And he looks at Jesus, Son of God, says, oh yeah, Ten Commandments, got those on lockdown, done them all. Then Jesus goes for it. He says, well then, unless Ruby says, Matthew 10, 21, looking at the man, I love this, Jesus felt genuine love for him. 
This wasn't an I told you so moment. This wasn't an uh. Jesus felt genuine love for him. By the way, as a side note, let's not have conversations with people unless we feel genuine love for them. That's where the beginning of making a difference happens is when we feel genuine love for people, not anger, not pride to be right. Sometimes we're more worried about right than the relationship. Genuine love. Jesus felt genuine love for him. Here is still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, what's he say? Then come follow me. He could have been the 13th disciple. He could have been, I mean, we could have had a, a fifth gospel in the New Testament. The gospel of Billy. <laughs> Just guessing that was his name. We don't really know. Turn to second Billy this morning. And Jesus went yonder. <laughs> had him some sweet tea and Chick-fil-A because it's the Christian chicken. He passed by the Popeyes. Come on, somebody. Let's go. He could have been. Somebody's like, we just derailed the whole thing. No, it's just what we do. It's literally, just, it's, this is what we do. He could have been the, the fifth disciple. He got the same call. Come do what I do. Come be a part of this incredible thing that's going to literally change all of history. It's the greatest movement ever. The man had been good. He'd come to church every Sunday. Oh, no, it doesn't say it. It just says he's followed all the Ten Commandments, so you gotta, you got to read into that. He probably served on the dream team. He was probably in a small group, or five maybe. He was there anytime you needed him. He had all the rules down. Yet in his heart, he said, there's something more. You see, we are called. If you don't hear anything else that I've said, hear this. You, you are called. You don't exist. You don't have a routine. You don't just wake up and have another day. You are called. Every day when I drop my kids off for school, I say the same thing. Go change the world. Because I believe every day is built with the opportunity to change the world. And I want my kids to know they're called to do so. They're not called just to go to school and, and receive some education and some, you know, like algebra and geometry and things that we forget after the age of 13 or whatever it is. Because I probably never learned it right. You're called to change the world and you're not just going to get up and go to work tomorrow. You're not going to just get up and do what you do. You're called. And your story doesn't disqualify you from your call. These guys have been looked over, passed by, told they weren't good enough. And sometimes we disqualify ourselves from our call when God wants to use our story in our call. You're called. You're called to make an impact on this world. And dare I say, it needs you. There are people in your life they need to hear your story. They need to see your call. But get this. When we miss something, we're like that rich young ruler. All right, God. All right, God, just tell me what more I have to do. 
I want to do more. I want to do something because when I do, it makes me feel like I've earned it. See, let's go back to dodgeball because I have some insecurities about being picked last, so we'll go back to dodgeball. I stand on this stage in front of you in awe that you show up every week, that you serve of what God's doing. I didn't earn this. God chose me and called me. Stop trying to earn it and just walk close to him. You see, the call to come follow me was come be close. Come walk so near me. And maybe the meaning you're, you're missing isn't in following more rules. It's in proximity to the Savior. It's in closeness to him. And it's in closeness we start discovering our call. And I want you to know, we are called. As a church, as a family, we are called. We, we will make a difference. I'm a pretty determined fella. Jesus is determined to save people. We're going to make a difference. You are called. But it comes from closeness with Christ. And that only comes in a relationship. Do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes. Just want to ask you, maybe you walked this week out in, in all the uncertainty. The hurricane's coming. It's not coming. We should leave. We shouldn't leave. At the end of all of it, it's, it's, it's almost natural to go, man, what am I here for? What am I doing with my life? I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more because when I do more, I'll accomplish more. It'll make me feel better because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You look at the devastation in the Bahamas and you, you start that, that train of thought. I, I won't say you're wrong, but I also won't say that you will find more meaning in doing more. Where you can find meaning is in an authentic relationship with Jesus. I didn't say a religion. I didn't say follow rules. You see, that's what the rich young ruler was there for. Tell me what rules I must follow. I'm lacking something. And Jesus boiled it down to, hey, it's a relationship. Just come follow me. Come be close. And the guy went away sad and we never know his name. If you're here right now in this moment and you know, you know, man, I, I don't have a relationship. Maybe everyone around you thinks you follow all the rules. Maybe everyone around you thinks like, man, he's got it together. She's got it together. But you know, in this moment right now, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. There's no one looking around. It's just me and you. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. All I want you to do is raise your hand and look at me. Say, man, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need that. Everybody around me thinks I've got it together. I follow the rules. Yeah, thank you. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Come on. Yeah, thank you. Come on, I need that. Once you raise your hand, you, you, you can put it down. See, the pressure, the pressure to, to, to get it all together and keep it all together becomes overwhelming when it's in my effort. But when it is in his presence, it is freeing. Anyone else? I, I know in this moment, I just need a relationship with God. I don't want to miss you. I just want to pray with you. 
I'm going to ask all of my friends and those that raise their hand just to pray with me. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for choosing me. Today, I make you Lord. Today, I want a relationship. Today, I will follow you. Thank you for calling me in your incredible name. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.